Welcome to She Illuminated. I'm Jana Fuchs, a licensed clinical psychotherapist and soul coach for burnt out women and moms looking to take control of their stress and say hello to a more joyful life. I'm also a mom to two incredible young humans, one of whom is autistic. Together, we will dive into real, raw, and messy conversations about intuition, vulnerability, and the resilience of the human spirit. We all deserve the gift of connection to ourselves and to our lives. So let's spend a little time together here, and perhaps we can walk through the rest of this day feeling just a bit more brightly illuminated. Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome to episode nine of She Illuminated. I am so happy that you're here today and good for you for giving yourself this gift of tuning in wherever it is that you are. If you've maybe just dropped your kids at school and you're heading to work, if you're washing the dishes, maybe you're heading to the grocery store. Good for you for giving yourself this time. I hope that you gain something from the show that feels maybe a little inspiring or interesting or educational that adds some real value to your day. Today's episode is such a good one. I'm biased, but I will say after the interview with my special guest, I was so inspired. I immediately went out and I bought more colored pencils and kind of like extra thick paper for sketching for myself and for my kids, because today's episode is all about the power of creativity and how we can use creativity to locate ourselves and wherever we are, how creativity can be used as a tool for problem solving. It's a place to play and to find what it is that we really feel or think and a way to release perfectionism if we're able to kind of get out of our heads and into our bodies and our souls and our hearts. And the timing is kind of perfect because I'll be honest, my heart has been heavy recently. Events in the world are really crazy right now. And There are so many people who are in utter agony and pain. And so I just want to say, if you are one of those people, I see you, I acknowledge you, I am sending you my love, my prayers, and um, please just surround yourself with people who lift you up and who give you the space to feel whatever it is that you feel right now. And now more than ever, this would be an opportune time for you to create something, right? And it doesn't have to be something in like the fine arts. We'll get into all the different modes of creativity. So I'm going to just read a little poem, which is different than if you've listened to the show Up to this point, you know, I don't typically come on here and read poems, but I just felt kind of like inspired by the topic at hand today. So kind of fitting. And I think you'll see why. The title of the poem is Becoming. 
And it's by Donna Ashworth, who is a really incredible poet. So here we go. You are always becoming the person you were born to be before the world began to mold you to its pattern and not your own. You are always becoming she who learned to hide and shapeshift to suit the crowd, the mood, the room. You are always becoming, and every time you release a little more of her to the world, I like to think Mother Nature breathes out, exhales a little more deeply. Here she is. Keep becoming. Isn't that just so beautiful? So I'm going to tell you now about our special guest today. Her name is Karen Dana Cohen. And Karen is an artist, educator, and independent curator based in Chicago, Illinois. She has participated in national and international exhibitions. She teaches professional practices and studio courses, as well as having been a curator and organizer. Her most recent project, Longing Compass, sounds absolutely fascinating to me. And in Karen's words, the project explores how, at the margins, we always belong to unbelonging. We can only really understand from standing in the periphery, and it's the center that holds the space open, keeps it together, and guards it safe from outsiders. It can be winded to accommodate more and narrowed when people leave. The center of the circle is the pivot or the focus and the essence even when it's empty. It represents the purpose and the intention of the collective. It's not the outside of a pot or a room that is essential, but the empty space each creates inside when its purpose is realized. Oh, and I think that ties so beautifully with Donna Ashworth's poem, right? How in so many ways we are always becoming and becoming and becoming until the day we die. And in the process of becoming, we're also shedding new layers and releasing and letting go what no longer serves us. So at the same time that we're always becoming, we're also unbecoming. And so I just, I love that kind of duality. So I also just want to say that Again, if you have found the show to be something that has lifted you up or added value to your life in some way, I would be so grateful if you could just take one moment and post a review. Actually, if you feel so inspired, you can write something. I'm not going to lie. It keeps me encouraged and it makes me feel good. But if you don't have time or you don't feel like doing it, I get it. We're all busy. If you could just put a five-star review, click it and that's it and you're done and then click out. It means the world to me, and it actually is the very mechanism that makes this podcast accessible to a wider audience. So those reviews mean a lot to keep the show going. Okay, so without further ado, here we go on episode nine. Welcome to the show, Karen Dana Cohen. Karen Dana, welcome to She Illuminated. I'm so, so happy to have you here today, my friend and amazing, brilliant artist. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. 
Yeah. Okay. Today, we are going to be talking about creativity and being a woman. So first off, how do you define or think about creativity? Yeah. So I do think creativity is something intrinsic to the human existence. We all have it. We're born with it and we all use it every day, even if we don't know that it's called creativity. I do feel like it's very much like problem solving, our ability to recognize our individuality in the way we are solving any single problem <laughs> that we're facing. Mm. And it allows us to engage and take action as active participants instead of just like passive viewers. And you'll relate to that because our modern lives are filled up with so much entertainment that we're usually forced to be in a very passive position in which we're just receiving more information. And sometimes it's as entertaining, sometimes is as more to-dos in our lists, but the way we engage with the world has a lot to do with the way we solve all of the tasks that we need to solve and the way we engage with that. So creativity is active all the time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that is through play too. If we allow ourselves to just give, like just have some space to play and have spaces, then creativity flourish. I love this perspective and it resonates really easily and really well, but it's also so new to me as someone not in the quote unquote, like art world, right? This idea that art is a form of problem solving. I just wanted to say that if aliens came to this world as it is today, all, everything that they will see is part of how human creativity manifests itself from cities to food to how we dress, everything that we've made, it's made out with creativity, everything. Yeah, I mean, that perspective is fresh and makes so much sense to me. Like it feels like in some ways like a familiar perspective, but in some ways new. So I find it like a really interesting place to start from, to start this conversation from. That everything, right, if aliens, what you just said, if aliens were to come to the earth and see everything would look like a form of creativity, a form of self-expression, a form of a way to interact with the world and look at the world. But this idea specifically around like problem solving and the way that I understand what you said about like, we are so inundated with so much information and we're constantly taking in, in this passive way, all of this information that's being like thrust, you know, like thrust upon us, that when we can engage in some sort of creative process, in some ways, it's kind of like, I hear it as like an output. Yeah. Right. So we take in this information and then we need an output. Um, is that, am I on the right track here? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's in part, what I'm saying, and I do feel like in part, when you use your creativity, you're looking for other outlets in which 
not as passive, more active, you're engaging with a space of play and release, and you're giving yourself just some other way in which you can process whatever it is that's going on in your life, in the world. When you don't have that space, a lot of problems, not only personal, but just as a society, started to emerge. When you allow yourself to have some space for thinking, for using your body in a different way, for using your mind in a different way, you have the ability to see from a different perspective and then engage with the world in a different way. Yeah. And so for those of us like myself who don't really have any fine art skills, what are other modes of creativity? Like how else do you conceptualize creativity? And I mean, just by what we were just discussing that like everything in some way, right, is a form of creativity. But like, if I'm not someone who typically thinks of myself as a creative, right, what would you say to me, to someone like me? What's your response to that? Yeah, I mean, creativity is a big word and we all have creativity in whatever it is that we do. I mean, you as a coach, as a therapist, you need to use your creativity skills to connect certain concepts, to see problems from a story reframed, etc., etc. Another person who's in science needs to think about their research with a creative mind and look at things from a lot of different points of views and then apply some new idea to that field. So it doesn't have to be specifically about art, but art allows for that to flow and you don't have to be in the art world to experiment creativity. So if you allow yourself in your daily life to try to see what you usually do in a creative way, then you'll be more conscious about your ability, your uniqueness. It's how you manifest who you really are. Because you might cook with a certain spoon that you love and use it a certain way. And I might cook a completely different dish in a different way. So that's kind of like the opportunity, that uniqueness that our creativity allows us to experience. Other activities that I think like that we can all experience with creativity are, it could be anything, you know, like gardening, cooking, knitting, drawing, of course, that it's super, like it's a practice that we were born with, or like as kids, we always like to try and then we forget and we think we don't know how to do, but we all know how to draw. So going back to that allows you to also get in touch with a part of yourself that you've forgotten. Yes, yes. It's a way to connect with yourself and to discover yourself, your brand, your flavor, your (laughs) perspective, right? And this is interesting because this gets me kind of thinking about differences. And of course, there are always exceptions when we think in terms of like generalizations. But overall, like, are there differences that you observe and those who identify as female versus male, quote unquote, artists. And for instance, like, how does the inner critic show up differently for women than it does for men? This is such an interesting question. I've been leading a critique group uh, for artist parents for a very long time. 
And um, when I have a group of female artists come together, a critique group meaning you show up and show what you're making and you are expected to get feedback and support from the peers. When it's a female group, usually they see it more as a support group, an accountability group where they are really celebrating their successes. They're really supporting space of trust and community. And when male artists go into this same dynamic, it feels more like they have that role of competition. Mm. And maybe it comes historically because males were not allowed to be in touch with their emotions as much. And art, like, it's just one area that women prevail. Like, you know, the history of uh, gender divisions. In school, they were forced to, like, homemaking instead of workshop. And all of these things that allow women to really just make. And they were Mm -hmm. these, like, practices that for a very long time, they were not considered art forms. They were more into like craft. But now I feel like that's changing. The line that divided those practices, now it's kind of like fading. It's stretching. It's more flexible. So more recently, I think the practices of homemaking or crafts are claiming more spaces, like museums, galleries. They're showing that craft also as a form of art. And then males and females are expressing their gender in a different way nowadays. So males are expressing their femininity side through art and females are expressing and showing up and trying to quiet their inner critic more consciously so they can prevail. But it definitely shows up in different ways. Yeah. And so kind of leads me to my next question, which is about like befriending failure. And the two of us were speaking before the episode today about why you believe it's so important for people who are trying to create with intention to befriend the idea of failure. And because I believe, and I don't want to misquote you, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but that you were talking about how you believe that idea can open us all up to trying new things, right? To be open to trying new things. And this, so can you elaborate on that and please tweak it if I got it wrong at all? No, 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 it's fine. So I do feel like with our modern lifestyle, it's very hard, almost impossible to find spaces where we're allowed to make mistakes. But if you invest in failing somewhere safe, somewhere you can control, you are articulating a part of life that it's inevitable. So every time you try something and you are then like stepping back and reflecting on it, you're articulating what is not working in that work. And so you discover possibility. And then when you discover possibility, you will be working with your instinct. You will respond to that. You will be in touch with your fixing mind. Again, problem solvers is one of the most Mm. creative people. And so in order to be in touch with all of that very unique and valuable experience, you need 
to try new things. You need to make mistakes over and over in order to find your voice and get curious about who you really are. So there's a very good example about this, about embracing failure. And it's not about failure. It's more about how to really accomplish what you're looking for with creativity, right? Um, but it's just about what we were talking about before, that you need to give up perfection. Mm. And there's this example at a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, where he's describing there was like a Jerry Oselman, a professor at the University of Florida, divided his film photography students into two groups. Everyone on the left side of the classroom, he explained, would be in the quantity group. They would be graded the amount of work they produced. On the final day of class, he would tally the numbers of photos submitted by each student. 100 photos would rate an A, 90 photos B, whatever. Meanwhile, everyone on the right side of the room would be on the quality group. They would be graded only on the excellence of their work. They'll need to produce only one photo during the whole semester, but it had to be the best photo. And the end, at the end of the term, everyone was surprised to find that all of the best photos were produced by the quantity group. Mm. None of the good pictures were produced by the quality right? Oh, so interesting. Just, yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. Like, I do feel like the, the way um, we're embracing our outcomes instead of embracing the process to get to our oh, outcome is yeah. the most important thing here to look yes. at, right? Yes, yes. Well, gosh, I mean, there's so much. And this is exactly why I wanted to invite you on the show, because there's so many valuable life lessons in what you are talking about right now, that we live in this kind of hustle culture um, that requires us to kind of be in this like perpetual state of striving and a lot of women, right, suffer from being a perfectionist or a people pleaser, right? And there's this like narrow, rigid idea of what being like a perfect woman looks like, what being a perfect mother or wife looks like, or a perfect career woman or career person, or to perfectly juggle it all, right? Accord it and put it out on Instagram and make it look perfect. And this idea of perfection is so inhibiting of our authentic like presence and self-expression and ability to play and ability to create and ability to make mistakes and just like accept it and roll with it and use it for new information. So there's so many valuable life lessons in what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I feel like just talking more concretely about art making and when you're willing to try new things, it could be very intimidating, right? Because it's something that you know you're probably not going to be good at if you've never tried it before, especially as an adult. It's very rare that we give permission to ourselves to try new things. Mm. So you, if you are, instead of, of trying to pursue like the perfect outcome, 
you'll need to pursue repetition over and mm. over and over and over. And the more you make, the closest you will get to making something good and valuable. But if you've never tried and you have like this incredible, I don't know, like blank canvas in front of you, it could be really hard to really just like go for it um, mm -hmm. in whatever field you are, especially because when you're making visual art, you are also having the response right in front of you for you to look at. So you're going into judging mode right away in two yeah. seconds. Like you're making and then you're saying, I'm terrible, I'm terrible. I don't want to ever try this again. So if you're making instead of one, 13 in one hour, then you can compare them. Like if your task is immersed in the project, right? Yeah, you're not judging yeah. yourself as quickly and you're allowing yourself more grace to at least be exposed to what you're, you can do. Maybe the first one won't be the best, but the sixth one will get a little bit better. You'll learn from your mistakes and so on and so on. So what you're talking about right now reminds me of like the lesson that I'm always teaching my kids. And it's a good reminder for us as adults. You know, I can even see the striving for perfection when my kids sit down to work on something for school. And if they make a mistake or they're frustrated and then they cross it out. And I say to them, like, if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning, right? We expect you to make mistakes. We actually like want you to make mistakes because that's really how you learn, right? And also through practice, 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 right? And that's with any skill that you're trying to build. But I think it also requires the repetition of like hearing it for us, even still as adults, that like in order to improve at something, you need to get comfortable with it not being great at first. And you have to just keep practicing. And it's really about the process. Eventually, the outcome will be a byproduct of the process. Yeah. And, and here, like with creativity, I feel like there's no creativity if you don't allow yourself the process. And that requires a big effort of making space for it. Space yeah. for it, meaning you're not going to be sitting down just watching another TV series that the algorithm will tell you what you like. You're not going to just go into your to-do list again because you can check your emails one more time or to your Instagram feed. But instead of that, you're going to consciously decide to now activate the world around you instead of passively just absorb the world around you, mm. right? And so the more you do, let's, let's put an example of painting, right? So if you start learning a new skill, you've never painted before, you want to try painting. So you buy paints, you buy materials, and you just start exploring. Maybe the first step will be to take a class. Maybe it will be to open some painting books. Maybe it will be to go to a museum. Already that is engaging with the world in a different way. And you're focusing your attention in something specific that you want to get better at. You're learning from other people who've done it before, and you're going to then try it yourself. So when you try it, you're going to try it and try it and try it, and maybe you won't like your first paintings, but the more you make, the more you will discover your own 
individuality in painting. Nobody paints the way you will because you have something intrinsic in you that it's very unique to yourself. And you'll discover that through painting. The more you do it, the more you will be able to discover what colors you like, what shapes you're attracted to, what patterns you use, and then questions about like meaning. And there's so many metaphors in that. You can realize like a lot of what you choose and why you choose that. Maybe it's a memory that you're connecting from your childhood. Maybe it's the need of more nature exposure. Maybe it's the experience of having kids around you when you're at work, right? Like there's a million ways that you will discover through the work, right? These things kind of like reveal themselves through the artwork and creativity. You know, I just read a poem recently by a woman named Donna Ashworth, and it's called Becoming. And it talks about how we are always in a state of becoming over and over again. And it ties so much into what you're talking about. I think that a lot of the people that I work with feel caught on that, like, hamster wheel of being like a receptacle of input (laughs) and then kind of objectified to fill a role, right, of being a mother or a wife or whatever it is that you do for work. Um, And so to have the space, to gift yourself the space to discover new parts of yourself to discover who you are continuing to become over and over again. It's such a, I mean, I just the word gift comes to mind. And what I also love about it is I, you know, work with a lot of women on burnout. And what you're talking about, giving yourself that gift is one antidote to preventing burnout right? Because you're prioritizing yourself and grounding yourself in a process, in a creative process. Yes. And in that process, you don't need to prove anything to anyone else. You can be as private with that relationship of you and the work or as public as you want. And when you go public is because probably you're reflecting some of your more important values through the work. And the work is just another way of expression, right? A form of expression that is very unique and you want to kind of like reach. It Really, it's a way of reaching out to other humans, not necessarily only other artists, but like other people in your life. Like first, it's their relationship with you and the work and just spending time in that flow of creativity Mm. and play and humor and movement and just using your mind and your body in a very different way. And then maybe you will reach out to other people who are making work. So then you'll connect through the work. You will find yourself identifying with a new group of people that it could be very diverse. It could be your neighbors. It could be other women who are also making the type of work that you're making. It could be even your family. You can connect with people who never had that type of conversation through the work. 
Yes. And that word connect and connection is also front and center because connection is another antidote to burnout. And when we first have to feel connected to ourselves, in most cases, right, before we can let ourselves receive the connections of other people, sometimes other people can get through to us (laughs) when we're not able to connect to ourselves. But it's like, I am hearing that when people go public with their artwork, I also think about the idea of it's their way of connecting and also like a, it's like a sense of like legacy. They're like leaving their mark on the world in a way. It's kind of like a another way to say that is like a need to be seen and to be heard, which is like such a normal human necessity right? Like we all have that desire and that need and that instinct. And so I think in some ways it can help us to feel um, less lonely, more seen. And so I love everything that you're saying. Yes. Even if you don't make all the time, but you enjoy art, the fact that you can just go to a gallery to see paintings or go to a concert and hear music or to theater or dance and just immerse yourself in in a space that allows for a, like taking a break from everything else. Yeah. It's so yeah. valuable for burnout. Yeah. Um, you will allow yourself to live a more profound, honest life more true to who you are and engage with the world around you in a more active way I do feel like it really creativity opens the possibility for critical thinking and for questioning your own set of values so it really makes a big difference not only in a personal level but Mm -hmm. also in a global world where now more than ever, creativity is so needed to solve the biggest problems yes. we're facing as a society, right? Yes. Creativity is a form of connection to yourself, and it's a form of connection to community and to the world at large. So thank you, Karen, so much for enlightening us all today. This has been such a delightful, insightful conversation. Okay, so I'm just thinking about everything that we've spoken about today and the fact that, you know, we've talked about how creativity can be a form of problem solving. It can be a form of play. It can be a form of output. It's a way to get comfortable with making mistakes and become comfortable with failure And also, it can help us to release the idea of perfection. So what do you recommend that women in particular can do to invite more creativity into their lives in an everyday, easy kind of a way so that they can help to keep their nervous systems regulated so they can enjoy all of the gifts of all of these things that we were just talking about. What do you recommend? So I'll recommend making it very easy and accessible for everybody to have a creative space. So if you're in an apartment where you have 
a chair by a window that you like, then leave a piece of paper and some crayons there or a pencil and some music that you like. Just create a corner where you can leave a mess <laughs> and just access it quickly, right? Either like if it's dance, you can just like, you know, have an empty space for you to move around. If it, Whatever it is, just have it accessible and make it the space easy for you. You don't need three hours of creative work every day. Even if you just spend 10 minutes a day sitting in that chair doodling, it's a good start. <laughs> and then yeah. try different things. Try different ways of engaging with creativity. And maybe you're curious about comedy. So then you can just try some jokes with your family. <laughs> at the beginning. And if you like that mode and you feel kind of like a little bit more curious, curiosity is the key. That will yeah. open the door for you to just keep trying and trying new things. Writing, gardening, whatever it is, cooking, anything could be creative. Um, but it's just a matter of making that more conscious and treating it as a sacred space for you that feels different that you're the, the rest of your day. Yeah. Thank you so much, Karen. I love this conversation and I really feel like I could keep talking and talking to you. Brilliant, insightful conversation that I think will make people pause and think a little bit differently about prioritizing just a little bit more um, creativity in their lives. So thank you. And until next time, everybody, keep shining brightly. If you have enjoyed the show and want to learn more, you can follow me at www.sheilluminated.com or email me with comments and show ideas at jana at sheilluminated.com. If you're interested in working with me as a coaching client, contact me at Jana at JanaFuchsCoaching.com. And if this episode meant something to you, please consider supporting the show by taking less than one minute to rate and review the show. It makes all the difference in the world to help spread the word, and it makes it accessible to wider audiences everywhere. You can also take a screenshot of it and share it with a friend or on your socials. Tag me, Jana Fuchs Coaching. And as always, may you walk through the rest of your day feeling just a bit more brightly illuminated. Until next time.